Zechariah chapter number four, verse number six. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Father, your grace is sufficient. Release grace to us today in refreshing. May it produce peace in us and the love of God in us. Restore the strength that it brings into the hearts of your people, that we will stand firm in these days in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to focus on verse number 7. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. About 12 years or so ago, if not longer, I preached to you from this passage. It's the last time I addressed this topic or this passage. Holy Spirit said, Let's revisit that and bring this up to today. I said, absolutely. This is the miracle formula God wants to plant deep into our spirits for when you face those obstacles and challenges. And the Word says a a lot about the word grace. The word grace is found 125 times in Scripture. 16 out of the 21 epistles of the New Testament begin with, Grace be unto you. In the book of Ephesians, it speaks of the riches of his grace and the glory of his grace. The word teaches there are four types of grace in the word, four types. Grace is an extremely important term in Scripture. So we have to get the ideas concerning the definitions related to the one word in English that we have for it called grace. But there are four types or sides to the English term of grace. Ephesians 2, there is saving grace. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you don't get good to get God, you get God to get good. And His grace is what saves you, not earning it or deserving it. I'm good, no, no, no you're not, because the best of us in our filth, is unacceptable to God. We are saved by grace because he chose to redeem us. Then there's justifying grace. By grace we are justified, the result of which is peace with God. It's good to have peace with God. You know you're not going to have to face judgment. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you're justified, it means... It's just as if I'd never sinned in the eyes of God. There's a grace that is applied to you that if you sin, if you confess that sin, you walk away from that sin, change your actions related to that sin, then God completely covers and justifies you. His grace saves you, then justifies you in the eyes of God. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Then there's thirdly, teaching grace. There's this Missing message of grace related to teaching in the church today. 
teaching grace. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When people say, I'm under grace, I can therefore live any way I want to live. Don't judge my lifestyle because I'm under grace. (laughs) Really. I can do whatever I choose because I'm under grace. I don't have to have a marriage covenant to have sexual relationships because I'm under grace. Listen to me. You are not under grace. That's rebellion against God. Because when grace is present, it teaches you to live a holy, consecrated, and dedicated life. And if what you do does not make you more like Jesus, you've got religion. If what you have does not make you more like him, all you have is religion. Because he, Jesus, will change you. Grace will transform you. Grace will give you the power to walk away from who you used to be. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation in Christ. Grace teaches us to abstain from ungodliness and to honor God with our lives. Then fourth, there is enabling grace. And that's what I want to point out to you today, especially. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. This is Paul. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul takes to the throne of God his issue of this thorn in his flesh. And three times he goes to the Lord and says, please remove this. And God did not remove it. God gave Paul the grace to overcome it and to defeat that issue in his life. Sometimes God does miracles that are instantaneous. And that's how we all like them, right? But sometimes God will blanket you with grace, enabling you to overcome the obstacles that you're facing, that are before you. So watch. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So there's a place where you go into God's grace where it will blanket you. And even though you've got challenges and real problems, there's something called the enabling grace of God. Grace empowers you to overcome. Grace empowers you to defeat mountains and adversities and giants that come into your life. It's the enabling grace of God. And this is what Zerubbabel grabbed hold of in my text, because Zerubbabel had gone back to Jerusalem, and he found the city level that was destroyed. And he said, I will rebuild the temple. This is the order he gives. I will rebuild the temple. Then I will rebuild the walls, and then I will rebuild our lives. And Zerubbabel began rebuilding the temple first, and I like that because it didn't begin with something for himself. He wanted to honor God first. So he didn't put the walls up first. He, he wanted to go to the temple first. And he said, if we're going to rebuild all of this, we have to lay the foundation for the house of God first. And he lays the foundation for the house of God, and, and he begins this miracle of restoration in Jerusalem. And he lays the foundation, and the word says, instantaneously, a mountain arises. And it comes up before him spiritually. And Zerubbabel said, who is this mountain? Who are you? And I like the fact that he begins to speak to the mountain in his life. Because in Mark 11, Jesus says, we are to speak to our mountain. 
I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, says, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So mountains represent the problems, they represent obstacles, stuff that's come to stop us, hinder us, defeat us. And when the mountain popped up in his path, Zerubbabel didn't allow the mountain to intimidate him. He begins to speak to it. And that's what Jesus said, you and I are to do. Talk to the mountain. Zerubbabel said, who are you, O mountain? Identify yourself. Tell me who you are. He said, because by the time God gets through with you, you're going to be a smooth plane. As I'm preaching today, I sense somebody is going to derive something very important, momentous in your life. You began in the direction of God. The miracle began. But now you face a frustrating mountain that says, give up. It's not going to happen. You've tried before and failed. You need to throw in the towel. I'm here to remind you of this. You serve a God who does not just give you saving grace. You serve a God who does not just give you justifying grace. Nor does he just give you, listen, teaching grace. Our God is giving to you enabling grace. And when he gets through that mountain, it's going to become a smooth plain. Someone's about to get something, listen, smoothed out in your life. Thank God for enabling grace. Grace that smooths out that mountain. Tell your neighbor, things are about to smooth out for you. Yeah. Zerubbabel began to identify that mountain. And he begins to specifically describe what constructed this mountain. And there were two components in that mountain. In Ezra 4, he had laid the foundation, and then he had to put it on hold. So he begins to identify the first component of that mountain. The people took up squatter's rights on his property. The people around that community began to trouble him. And the word says they hired counselors and attorneys, of course, to file petitions saying, you don't have the proper permits and permission from the king to do what you're doing. Here we go with all that stuff and the permits and the, the lawyers and the legalities and let it be known to the king that if the city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay tax, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. <laughs> so Zerubbabel has been tied up now in legal battles and with the people surrounding the land. And they were attempting to stop Zerubbabel by tying everything up legally. See, you can't evict the devil like a gentleman. You've got to kick him out. And the enemy sets up camp on the property and says, you can't have this. We're taking it over. So he's got this frustrating circumstance in the first component of that mountain. And the word records that for 16 years, the rebuilding of the temple was held up in legal battles. He has tried, he has failed, he is frustrated. He had laid the foundations Rubble had in 525 B.C. And for 16 years, not another thing went on. The problems are binding him. He's in lawsuits. His dream has been put on hold. And if that's not enough, there are problems also coming from the inside, component number two of this mountain. The Samaritans, who were half Jew, half Gentile, they represent people who are half-hearted. They were with the Jews, but they were half-hearted about it. And the word says they began to speak about the old glory days. And they started crying, and they said, you know, you might rebuild it. But it won't be nearly as great as it was when Solomon built his temple. 
we remember the good old days. We remember how God used to move in the old temple. And this generation doesn't have it anymore. And they begin to speak like that and spit that stuff out. Listen, words have power. And there's nothing more frustrating than when you're trying to fulfill a vision and you've got half-hearted people on the team. Zerubbabel has half-hearted people on his team. Enemies from the outside fighting him. And he's frustrated. Have you ever come to the place concerning your dream where you're frustrated? You started out and now you're looking at it and it's not completed. It began well, but now you're facing a frustrating mountain. Problems on the outside, doubts on the inside. And the thing that kept the children of Israel out of the promised land was not the giants on the outside. It was the ten little voices on the inside of the camp. It's not the giants on the outside that can stop you. Because God wants you to have all these promises. It's the little voices you're listening to. They're saying to you, you can't do it. God's not with you. His favor is not on you. Nothing is ever going to happen. Be weary of the little voices on the inside. And the word says Zerubbabel is frustrated. He feels hopeless because he can't do anything with his own ability. His project is shut down. Nothing has happened for 16 years, and the dream has begun to fade off the horizon. Let me remind you, God never starts anything that he does not have the power to finish. And the question is, can he find someone who will hang in there long enough, hold on, until God makes a way where there is no way? And I'm saying, we quit too soon. We give up too soon. We walk away from the miracle before God gets to do what he wants to do. And sometimes you have to sit still and withstand the rigors of being squeezed and feeling like nothing's happening. Being faithful in the little, not despising the day of small things. And if you hold on to what God started through the times where the obstacles have come in, there will be a moment when God's set time will arrive. There is a set time for every purpose. And some have been holding on, and you're looking at this frustrating mountain. It's got components to it. But God started it, and now it looks like it's not going to be completed. And the prophet comes to Zerubbabel in this discouraging moment, and he says, This is what the Lord says to you. Two words. Begin again. Begin again. And he's saying to us, I know you've tried before, but begin again. Believe again. Try again. Dream again. Hope again. Pray again. Praise me again. Get up your expectations again. Reach again. Begin again. Tell your neighbor, it's time to begin again. Tell your neighbor that. God will finish what he started. And there comes a season when he says, begin again. And the prophet says to Zerubbabel, go get the headstone. Well, this is where I want to, to, to find that moment in this message. This is where I tell you how it works. The prophet says, go get the headstone. And the headstone was the final stone to be seated in the entire building project. It's like cutting the ribbon and dedicating the building. The final stone has been put in, and then they take the final stone, the headstone, the final piece of building material, that completes the facility and says, done. Then everyone would shout because it was finished and it was done because it was over with and behind them. 
all Zerubbabel had was a foundation. He's got problems all around him on the outside. He's got problems on the inside, and he's flustered. There are tumbleweeds growing all over the project, lizards and snakes everywhere on the land, stacks of stone piled up. Nothing has happened for 16 years, and the prophet says, go get the headstone. The prophet says to him, go get the headstone, the final finishing stone. Put it on the building site and shout, grace, grace, to the headstone. The headstone represents Jesus Christ. He is the stone that the builders rejected. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. He's the stone that cried out on the cross, it's finished. You get focused on the stone. You get focused on the truth. If God started it, he's going to finish it. So procure the headstone that represents a completed job. That's what that stone represents. And so many of us know, you know, how to be in this moment what it means and what it feels like to be in this yet incomplete moment where you know you're kind of stalled, yet incomplete. A season in your journey and in your dream, and God started something, then a mountain or two began to appear, and nothing, nothing seemed to be happening. So what do you do? He said, focus on the chief cornerstone. That's our Lord. And you start speaking to that stone and shout, grace! grace to it. Then enabling grace will come off that stone onto you, enabling you to accomplish what you could not. And it will not be by might, won't be by manpower. It will not be by the cleverness of man's ability. It will be by my enabling grace that comes upon you. And what you could not do without me, you will be able to accomplish by my spirit, saith the Lord. So if my Bible was this headstone and Zerubbabel was looking at this as the headstone cornerstone, he might say, that's stupid. No one is out there on the land. Nothing's happening. I don't have any building permits. The project is shut down. I've got no money. But the man of God says, take that headstone, the final stone. And he said, I want you to speak to it. Okay, I'll do what you said. I'll go out there. And he says the prophet said, I didn't say whisper it. I said, shout, grace, grace. The prophet said, I didn't say shout grace one time, did I? I said, shout grace, 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 grace. And all of a sudden, as he shouted grace, great, at the headstone, listen to what happens. The scripture teaches us, the translation records that people started running all over themselves. And here comes one with the building materials. And here comes another with financial support. And here comes another with masonry skills. And here comes one who shapes glass. And people started showing up from the north and the south and the east and the west. There's a powerful truth in this passage. You know what it is to stand in the challenge of that moment of yet incomplete. What God called us to do, our dreams for our families, for those things that God has for us. And the prophet said, now that you've shouted grace, grace to that incompleted vision that God gave you. You've said, grace, grace, by his enabling grace, I can do all things. By his grace, I receive favor. I'll receive the finances that I need. I have everything I need to build what God told me to build. Grace, grace. And the word records that the hand of Zerubbabel laid the foundation and the hand of Zerubbabel will finish it. Now watch. 
The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. For who has despised the day of small things? His word promises it'll happen. He gives you enabling grace to finish the dream that he gave to you. And all of us know what it is to have unfinished dreams. Lord, it's not happening. What do I do? What else can I throw at this? And he said, begin to shout, grace, grace unto it. And suddenly, permission was granted. Suddenly, miracles begin to happen. And here's what I've learned. To do what God's called us to do, we need the enabling grace of God. We need the anointing of grace to be applied. We need to be willing people to respond to the call of faith. And we must speak to that mountain and shout, grace, grace. And we can watch the mountain begin to melt. We can see the dreams begin to come to pass. We can see what God has promised fulfilled. And as we cry, grace, grace, God will respond with enabling grace and anointing to finish what he started in our lives. Then the momentum of God's enabling grace will carry us to the dream and beyond our expectations for that dream. So every time, listen, every time you're facing a challenge in your life, a mountain that seems to be stuck right in the path of your direction, you need to start shouting grace, grace to that mountain. Every time you're with an obstacle that just won't move, you shout grace, grace to it. Every time when you leave here and you drive past our new property, shout grace, grace. Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm incapable of making it happen. But through your grace, we can do all things through Christ. You know how to do it by your enabling grace. When Donna and I faced uncertainties, circumstances, it's been his enabling grace. That's what delivered us. It changed the course of life. Just when we thought nothing else we can do. There's nothing else. So when you're facing your season of yet incomplete, put your hand up and shout, Grace! Grace at it! Speak to the mountain! And when you pull out of here and you pass the new property, put your hand on the car window and shout, Grace! Grace! Now you can call me a fanatic, but I'll stand on his word no matter what anyone else chooses to do in the family of God. Because what you cannot do, listen, what you can't do God will grant you enabling grace to finish the vision. Say grace, grace. Grace, grace. To every mountain, to every cancer, to every addiction, to every debt, to every wayward child. Grace, grace. You will become a smooth plane. You can't stop me when God's grace is on me. And you tell your mountain, grace, grace. And here's what to do. Everything God's called us to do. You know, when God's given you a vision and then obstacles begin to appear, and that's normal, by the way. That's not the exception. That's pretty much the rule. When that mountain says to you, it can't happen. You don't let that mountain talk you out of your miracle. You open your mouth and you say to that mountain, grace, grace, I know I can't defeat you in my own strength and power. Jesus Christ hung on the cross and he shed his blood And his blood contains grace. And his grace will enable me to do what God called me to do. I have an assignment. You have an assignment dream. And God says, it's time to begin again. 
I'm going to finish the dream that I began in your life. And it matters not if it's been 16 years, Zerubbabel. Some have a mountain of addiction, of substance abuse, prescription drugs, of sexual behavior. Well, how do you defeat that? Grace! Grace! You talk to it. And it's more than just a figure of speech or a word from Scripture. It's God's plan. So when you face the challenge, when you face the mountain, when you see obstacles coming against the ministry, when your children are acting crazy, fight like crazy. Take some oil and anoint their rooms, anoint their closets, anoint their dressers, and say, grace, grace, anoint all of it. We don't have to fight on our own. The battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. Let grace fight, let grace reach, let grace deliver, let grace set free, because the word means God's power. You have challenges on your job, walk into that place and under your breath say, grace, grace. If you have to go into the bathroom to shout, then do it in there by yourself. Grace, grace. Or go out, if that doesn't work, and sit in your car at the lunch hour in the parking lot and shout, grace, grace, to the mountain. Contract Go through grace, grace. Let the devil hear you, church. Say it, grace, grace. And the devil will tremble. Not when you say, I am worthy, or I've done this, or I'm capable. No, when you say, grace, grace. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, no. Not by the strength you've got, guy. Nor by power. No, that you can overthrow these powers that are binding you up legally. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I remember my pastor, one of them, such a great. I was so blessed as a kid to be in a church with great leadership. And the lessons I learned by observation and by hearing we had purchased the Methodist church for our new facilities and I showed my wife my son you see that building over there it was a storefront church remember that that's where my mom first heard the gospel and there was still a storefront church in there we went there several days after her funeral and I said, I just want to show you the place where my mom worshipped. It was in the house next door to it, and it was still there, a three-story house. And she was in her bedroom and listening to the people, the first assembly, singing and worshipping late into the night. She said, if there is a God and his son Jesus is real, I need you to visit me. And he did. And that little church used to slip into and from there they grew and then they went and they bought the Methodist church because the Methodist fires began to die and they sold off their building on the corner of Orange and Edward Street in New Haven, Connecticut and uh, they had a mortgage that they had to pay off and our pastor was getting burdened under the load of the weight of paying that thing every month I think I was in 6th grade and we needed money we couldn't pay it off just with regular giving so he called the whole church together 
and he asked us to do something very interesting. And you may never have heard this before, or maybe if you've heard about it, you never did it, or don't understand what it means. It was called the Jericho March. <laughs> Remember what they did around the walls of Jericho? They marched around them. Remember that? It's in the scriptures. And the walls came down. Kind of like mountains need to come down sometimes. Now, we're on this corner. We have this beautiful piece of property in this fantastic, beautiful building we're in. And diagonally across from us was this huge Catholic church. They must have thought we were all crazy because we're outside our church all around the property and we're doing following the pastor around this thing seven times. And he's saying in prayer, I can't do this, but you can do this. These walls have got to come down and something's got to happen. We've got to have a financial miracle. We've got to pay this thing off and get out from under this burden so we can concentrate on God's work. I was just a boy, and I wasn't as serious as I should have been in sixth grade. But somewhere around the fourth or fifth trip around that building, the pastor, tears begin to come down his face. Not because he was sad or discouraged, but he was rejoicing. <laughs> he was blessed and anointed. Grace, grace. I can't, but you can. Seven times. By God's grace. Long story short, within 45 days, we burned the mortgage. Because people began, listen to me, what nobody could do but grace accomplished. Because all of a sudden, people began to respond. Never would have expected some of them to respond the way they did. Listen, you can make light of this if you want to, but here's what I've learned. I've watched it experientially. I've read, read about it in the scripture. When I face challenges, I don't fight them in my own righteousness. No. I believe Zerubbabel's God is my God. I believe Zechariah's God is my God. I believe that the same power that was upon them, the same grace upon them, if I will shout grace, grace, that anointing will be on me as well. How many need God to move a mountain and level it in your life? Nothing is impossible with him. He will do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. But you've got to learn to speak grace over your circumstances. Let me close with this thought. Go ahead and get some yet incomplete item in your mind. You know you've been dealing with this for a long time. It might be over a child, a son or a daughter. It might be a business deal that God gave you a dream about and it's just been stuck. Or a calling some vision of dream that God has planted in you. It's not out of you, but it came from God and you knew it when it arrived. It was God. Get that in your mind right now. God started it. He began it. And you know what? Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Will. He started it, but mountains have popped up to discourage you. But do you see it in your mind, the thing that God gave you some time back? And it's been stalled there. And get these words in your mouth because words are multipliers. Whatever you speak multiplies. Today you shout grace, grace at it. And not just for today, but let it become a part of your daily practice. When you face mountains and challenges and you walk by them with the assurance, grace, grace. Most will never understand what it takes to preach to God's people. 
There have been times in the years of ministry where I felt like I'm at a loss at what to say to God's people. So I preach the scripture and I have to apply it, make sure something they can take home with them. So when I feel like I don't know what to prepare, grace, grace comes the enabler, enabling grace. And you can do the very same thing. Now watch this. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. Do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Everything God does begins with a small seed because the next service after that march around our building people began to start writing checks to pay off the mortgage. There were small seeds. There wasn't anything huge or Overwhelming the first Sunday or two. Because within 30 days, we paid the note off. In 45 days, we burned it. And then the next week, all of a sudden, out of places we didn't expect it, came huge gifts. Amazing gifts. You start talking to that seed. This is what, what we have now. In the name of the Lord, grace, grace. And people started running all over themselves trying to make it happen. God's favor, God's finance, God's blessing. Listen, God will bring those who bring it to pass. Moreover, I issue a decree, this is the king, to what you shall do to the elders of these Jews for the building of this house of God, let the cost be paid at the king's expense. So where they never expected it to come from comes from the heathen king who says, by the way, whatever you need to finish this thing, paid for and God will bring his grace on you to make it happen so this is for somebody here today you're going to walk out of here with a whole new vision of a smooth plane instead of a mountain so you need to stand and lift your hands and your voices to the Lord take a moment and bless the name of the Lord take a moment and bless the name of the Lord thank you Lord Do you have that yet incomplete in your mind? Do you have it in your mind? It's that child, it's that spouse, it's that circumstance, it's that financial promise that God made you, that you were going to do something that was going to be so extraordinary, and you know it came from God. Do you have it that yet incomplete in your mind? Get it in your mind. You know God started it, but it's not yet been completed. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to lift your hand and don't care what anybody thinks. And you're going to open your mouth and you're going to shout grace and grace. And when you do, something starts moving. Blessings start flowing. Angels will respond. Devils will flee. Say it. Grace. Grace. Speak to those mountains. Mountains of disease. Mountains of cancer mountain of heart disease of debt of addiction of broken relationship of that deal that has to go through Jesus told us to speak to the mountain go ahead and believe him and speak to the mountain and tell it go grace grace you will crumble in the name of Jesus and it's happening here this morning for somebody who's just got simple faith to say, I trust you. I believe you. It's going to happen. 
In Jesus' name, how powerful the promise he's made to you today.